Welcome to the Benakiba Connects podcast, a podcast exploring the challenges and transformational technology in the insurance industry. Join us as we talk about industry issues and the technology, tactics, and tools that will help your business become a beneficiary-first company. We are on a mission to help our clients become customer-centric in their approach to claims management with powerful processes, customer experiences, and technology. Now, here's your host, Ashley Oxholm. Good morning and welcome to the Benakiva Connects podcast. I am your host, Ashley Oxholm, and I have the pleasure of having our CEO and founder, Brent Williams, here with us today. If you want to say hi, Brent. Hey, everyone. Looking forward to this. Yeah, and we have the pleasure of having Brian Falchuk, who is the managing partner of Insurance Evolution Partners and the president and CEO of PLRB with us. How are you doing today, Brian? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and jump in uh, because I know our listeners are going to be excited for this one. I'm sure if they're anything like me, they follow you on LinkedIn. They see a lot of what you post. You have a lot of valuable information that you put out there. So I am I'm confident they're going to want to know uh, your opinions about some of the questions that we're asking today. So just to get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so um, I'll try to do this as quickly as I can because there's there's a lot to it, especially because I've just taken a new role. Um, but I'm I'm like a PNC insurance oldie. I don't know. I've been around for uh, like 25 years in the space. Lots of different roles, lots of different carriers, and some time consulting. So people are like, wow, he gets fired a lot. But it's you know through consulting, like, you get to see a lot of different things, um, and I get fired a lot. It's a nice combination. No, but. Um, it was a really cool way to get to see so much breadth of what makes up our industry and wildly different situations, geographies, lines of business, market segments, carriers, et cetera. Um, I had the honor of being a chief claims officer in my last role at a carrier, which was incredible. And that's where I think I really connected with the purpose of the industry so much deeper, um, because that's where sort of like you live at the, the front lines of that reason why insurance exists. Um, and I've, I, it just sort of pushed me to dedicate myself even further to kind of why we exist. And so I, I left for an insure tech that was trying to help in claims more, talked to lots of different carriers in that role. And then I decided to break off on my own and, and just sort of help the industry, help carriers, solution providers, pushing ourselves forward. And of course that coincided with COVID. So there's so much of a need for transformation, for change, and not just talk about it. So it's been a really um, engaged and involved few years. I've been putting out a book series and podcast series called The Future of Insurance, just to, to help. Like the yeah. books, business books, but they're sort of self-help for the industry. Um, and then literally, like as we're recording this, I'm assuming the helm at um, an industry organization called PLRB. It's Property and Liability Resource Bureau. And we're, again, committed to claims. Um, you know, we, we help in um, figuring out coverage and like, how do we stand by our insureds? It's not always clear cut. I think people outside of claims or outside of insurance don't always get that. Yeah. There's complexities to it, you know, regulations, different forms that things are written on. Every claim is a bit unique. Um, so we help our member carriers sort of figure out, you know, what is covered, what isn't, why, how do we educate those adjusters better to be able to figure out those things and to get smarter about the work. and you know, everyone's got too much on their plate. So it's really about standing by those member insurers who are standing by that promise to, you know, literally the world, nothing happens without insurance behind it. 
So for something people might make fun of, um, I feel like this is an incredibly important profession. Um, it, you know, kind of keeps the world humming and protects people and takes the risks of so many things that we face away from people going after their dreams. Um, so that, that's kind of, that's all the stuff that I do, lots of different things going on, but it's actually really exciting and I, I'm, I'm lucky to be able to do it. That's awesome. No, that is, that is awesome. And you mentioned COVID and, you know, that changing the future of insurance. And Brent, I know you can speak to this just from a Benakiva perspective that that really did change uh, Benakiva. It put us on a rapid growth because of the change that was demanded out of insurance carriers. Do you want to speak on that just for a minute? Yeah. When we, um, you know, when COVID hit, we didn't know what to expect from a business perspective. You know, there were a lot of businesses ramping down, a lot of businesses, you know, taking defense as opposed to offense. And, you know, we didn't really know what that meant for Benakiva. We knew we had a, a product in the marketplace that would allow anywhere, anytime, any device operation for all parties involved. But it wasn't until that hypothesis was actually tested during COVID that all of a sudden our phones started ringing. You know, it was we got a lot of more inbound uh, leads because you know one carrier that we we you know we shifted 100% of our claim staff to work remote. We saw no drop in claims payments and/or production, and all of a sudden the news of that just started occurring on its own. We we weren't sharing that, but you know one carrier would talk to another colleague at another carrier, and they'd say, oh we. We shifted 100% of our staff over and no issues here. I, I just processed a claim on my iPhone. And all of a sudden they're like, how the heck did you do that? <laughs> well, we used Benakiva. <laughs> and pretty soon it was just one right after another, it seemed like. So I often say that while COVID was a was a, a bad thing for the for the for the you know the United States and arguably the world, you know, from a business perspective for Benakiva, it was an accelerant. <laughs> so Absolutely. So why insurance? Let's let's kind of shift there and go why insurance? Because in my experience, I certainly didn't intend on ending up in insurance. Uh, I did, but I didn't intend on it. So Brian, tell me a little bit about how you got in insurance and more importantly, why you stay. Yeah. Well, so I, I like you always get one of two answers by accident or your parents were agents. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yes. Like, and, and it, for some reason it tends to be both parents, um, yes. which, which is neat. Um, but anyway, you know, maybe it's like, well, then it's genetics. It's, yeah. it's nature and nurture. But um, I, I was definitely accidental, but if I really stop and reflect, the thing that struck me is I'm also a car guy and, and my dad is too. And we have always shared that love of cars together. You know, we go to the car show together, et cetera. And I remember when I was probably six years old, sitting in the passenger seat with him and a Ferrari or you know, something like that went by. And I was like, you know, little kid, I was like, wow, that's so nice. And my dad's, my dad's from South America. So he's got, he has an accent sometimes, especially when we're talking about cars. And he goes, do you know how much it costs to insure this car? <laughs> and so I think, in, and he's not in insurance at all. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I remember being six and being like, well, it still looks good. Like, I yes. don't, you know, that doesn't change the way it looks. But I think maybe um, his discomfort with insurance, like, bred something in me subconsciously. I don't know. So by accident, but perhaps there was some subliminal messaging going on on the home front. So it's, it's possible I was being pushed into it. That's so funny. What keeps you in it? Um, well, it's too late for me now. I'm, I'm ruined. Um, 
I did, um, like, you know, being a, a Karna and a bit of a like fitness junkie, I, I have looked at other things from time to time. And I, I did, um, an amazing run at a specialist insurer and, uh, time came for me to think about leaving. So I was like, well, that's a natural time to look around. And, um, you know, there were plenty of interesting things, but I really didn't have a true reason yeah. to tell a story for like, I could do that. I could, yeah, that'd be neat. But there was no like, I have to go and do that job. Right. And then there were a couple of those. And so I ended up deciding between two insurance roles and those like not knocking any of those other jobs. I'm sure they would have been sure. plenty interesting, but there was nothing that I really felt that draw to. And that's when it was clear, like I'd never looked outside again after that. And that was a decade ago. Um, and it, it is like, once you really see the purpose of it, it's hard to think I can do so much here. I can create a lot of improvement and betterment and support that mission. How could I go and do that somewhere else? Yeah. Uh, and, and I think lots of people in different professions feel that way. You know, I, heating technicians who are like, people are freezing. Yeah. They need me. Like, this is what I do. It's not just like, oh, I have to go and do this for a paycheck. Right. You know, some people, but... I felt that calling. And so, you know, I can joke and be like, oh, I am, I'm ruined for any other industry. They wouldn't want me. But <laughs> the truth is I have no interest in it. I've really um, accidental or intentional. I've ended up here. I'm really thankful for it. And I love what I get to work on. Yeah, no, That's awesome. And I, you know, I came from a, a background of always wanting to work nonprofit because I want to help people. I want to help people. And so, uh, you know, life happens, you got to pay bills. And I ended up in the insurance industry and I left for a while to go and work for some nonprofits. And I just, I didn't have the skills. The people who do those jobs, they're saints. It's yeah. wonderful to see them, the social work side of things. And I ended up coming back to software and specifically within the insurance industry because I still get to help people, Yeah, you know, and, and I love that. And I think if you were to ask anyone on the Ben Akiva team, that moment we get to help carriers accomplish their goal and offer that better claims and servicing process for their uh, members is just like, that's the moment it all matters to us. Yeah. It's just, it's a great thing to be a part of. There's someone in need that needs help. And the best way you can help them is making the world better. You know, that's someone who is at one of those moments where they're on their knees. It could be the toughest thing they've ever faced. Mm -hmm. And if you're contributing to that toughest thing, not being so tough anymore, that's purpose. You know, yeah. there's the, the world needs everything. Like we don't just need nonprofits or just right. this, or just, like we actually need everything to get along. And so finding that mission and why you're doing your work is, uh, is, is invaluable. And I think Brent, I, I think he's, Brian's pretty much hitting the nail on the head for Ben Akiva's mission statement. You know, it, that that's what it's about there. Yeah. I often say it's, it's funny you're a car guy because I was a car guy too. And, and, you know, I fell into insurance very much like uh, many others. And that's one of the reasons why we asked this question, because I've, it's been amazing that all the wonderful people I've met over my insurance career I can't think of one that actually said, I went to college, you know, to be an actuary, to go work at an insurance company, right? It's just it's that I haven't met a single person yet. Now, Nick, one a guy on one of our other podcasts, he said in his 25 years, he met one, right? So there's just very few people who actually designed to come into the insurance industry all on their own. Um, but it is one of those, one of those scenarios where, it does really feel good. I often get the question of, you know, what is success for, for, 
for Ben Akiva. And, and I often say there, well, there's a couple types of success. One is, you know, when we obviously provide that Amazon type claims experience, but I even think years beyond that, at some point, I believe there will be a, a time in the future where based on rules, roles, data, we could actually pay a claim before a person even files it. I mean, it, it could literally just be a, an instantaneous deal where we know that this claim needs to be paid and it needs to be paid to this individual. And there, there it goes. And, and it just happens. Now, I know we're a far away from that. But when you look at success, I've often said this, the true success to me will be when a person receives a claim payment they didn't even know was coming. You know, and we're on the life annuity and health side right currently. Yeah. Um, so typically, you know, claims on that side of the industry are really, they're devastating claims. You know, I've often said when I sold, you know, those products, life insurance specifically, nobody buys life insurance hoping to use it. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, you don't hope you use it, but it's there. It's there for when that tragic event occurs, very much like a disability, very much like a long-term care claim. All right. I mean, you don't buy long-term care hoping to be in a nursing home, but at the end of the day, if it does end up that way, it's nice that someone else is paying that bill. And, yeah. you know, so to me, that was the piece that was like, gosh, this, this helps so many people and it's such a great product. And, um, while I said, you know, we're not on the PNC side yet, uh, we will be on the PNC side, yeah. Ryan, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, suddenly I, not that I don't care about life and annuities. <laughs> suddenly care so much more. <laughs> so let's talk about what are some of those big changes that you have seen in the insurance industry, specifically from that customer needs perspective. Yeah. Well, so this, this to me is a really interesting one because, you know, we talk so much in like, not just insurance, but about the, the bar rising and the Amazonification and Netflix, like all of these things that on a day-to-day -day basis, everybody age aside right. is interacting with very different customer experiences. And what I've come to realize is we talk about it like it's something new. And so like people have discovered, I don't think that's what it is. I think what it is, is the, um, the tolerance is gone. Mm -hmm. It's not like people wanted to take forever to get served or right. wanted to have to go through all this back and forth. It's just that we didn't really know better or we didn't know that you could overcome that. And, as we see these things just day in, day out, the most simplistic ways of solving, I mean, there's so many things we just totally take for granted because they just work and they're so yeah. easy that um, when we hit something that isn't like that, it really stands out. It does. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't know that there's been this like huge shift in really what customers want. I think what the huge shift is, they're just not willing to accept that, oh, well, we're insurance, so we can't do it that way. Yeah. That's not acceptable. And partially because a lot of those kinds of solutions have crept into our industry. So it's not just looking outside. It's also with us inside. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, that also creates pressure. And, you know, Brent, you, you talked about in COVID that during those lockdowns, it was almost an, an accelerant. And I've heard that from a lot of digital focused solutions out there or digital focused carriers. Mm -hmm. Um and, you know, they're, they're a little bit shy to say they don't want to sound like they're happy about it. Right. I, they're not. But it's it it uh, it helped their business when they went into it, not sure if they would survive, which is really fascinating. 
But I think part of it, the reason why it was so helpful, and as you said, you weren't out there like pitching to all these carriers, they were coming in. I think the humanization of what we all went through, and yes, there was a lot of politics and hatred and anger spewing sure. as well, but we were all in this together. And um, I think you saw more sharing. Yeah. You saw people from different carriers who you know, were competitors, we don't talk about this, they're all joining these like Zoom roundtables and yeah. open discussions and participating in all the conferences that went remote and they're sharing things. And so I saw a lot more just openness about we're trying this and it's working really well. And you see other carriers picking it up. So it was a really cool time, I think, for, you know, customers not being willing uh -huh. to put up with it anymore. Insurers not being able to deliver their services the way we used to. So we had to change or the lights go off and in claims you can't not handle it. Right. You, know, you can not quote a piece of business. That's too bad. Your new business will suffer, but you can't not take in a claim and process it. There are laws around that. You'll lose your license. So like we do have to make these changes to keep the lights on. And then all of us as an industry, I think stop being so concerned with, we can't talk about this with anyone and we can't share what we're doing. It's like, we're all in this together. There are people suffering. We have to figure this out. And actually, if you if you use this provider and you use this provider, that provider is going to get better, and I'm going to benefit. Yeah. So there's like the move towards more SaaS solutions, and I definitely think the pendulum has moved towards buy from build. Um, I think that's benefited all of us and helped the industry catch up. We had a long way to go, yep. um, but I think we also remembered we're also consumers, and we wouldn't stand for this ourselves. So maybe we shouldn't put this out to our customers. So that's what I saw shifting. I think good has been good and it's always been good. And yeah, maybe the, the bar is a little higher, but I, I really do think it's that we're just not willing to accept it anymore as consumers. Um, so, you know, they don't care why you can't do it. They just care that you can't do it and that matters and they'll go somewhere else. Yep. And that's the reality of today. Absolutely. Absolutely. When I talked to, you know, friends and tell them where I work and, and they're consumers, they're like, well, what would that mean for me? Like if my insurance company had been Akiva and all I say is like, imagine you have something and you need to process a claim and you do it from your phone. And they're like, that would be awesome. <laughs> like they get really excited yeah. about that. And I think, you know, being really realistic that that's what consumers are expecting. They are expecting that Amazon like experience. Yeah. I remember, I, I think it's a paradigm shift as well. You know, I, I remember, you know, I have three, three daughters and I remember, you know, they always used, when they were younger, they always wanted to go get a, a McDonald's Happy Meal. And I remember, you know, sitting in the drive-thru, they ordered their Happy Meals and I'm sitting there. And at one time, you know, there were people handing a credit card through the drive-thru window to pay for it. And I, I used to think, oh my gosh, why would somebody put, you know, food like that on a credit card and pay credit card fees and all that stuff, you know? And then over time, it got to the point where it shifted. I remember I was I was paying for a McDonald's meal and I pull out a $50 bill and my daughters, they actually were embarrassed. They're like, oh, my gosh, dad, what are you doing? You're paying in cash. Nobody pays in cash anymore. You know, so there was that paradigm shift. And I remember for Ben Akiva, it was, you know, uh, we've, all, we've always said we wanted to provide that anywhere, anytime, any device operation for all parties. But when Amazon came out with that one click buy. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, this is how a claim should be. Click a button and you are done. I mean, it should be, yeah. it should be take a picture of a document, click a button, and that's it. Yeah. And 
you know, now there's this paradigm shift where everybody expects that Amazon type experience. You know? Yeah. And when you don't get it, it's such a stark difference. Oh, it is. Yes. That is how Amazon got me. And now I have a hard time actually shopping in real stores. So, <laughs> so yeah. let's talk a little bit about the future and the future of insurance and looking ahead. What do you think the next five years in the insurance industry looks like? Um, so this isn't good and I'll, um, people will be upset, but um, they're all living it anyway. I think it's going to be tough for at least a couple of years. And, and maybe this is, I don't think it's just a PNC thing. I, I think it's everywhere. Um, the tools to deal with it are just different. Um, you know, we, we talk in PNC about in, in claims about frequency lines and severity lines. You're going to get a lot of claims, but they'll be smaller, you know, autos, some other ones. It's like, you know, sub $10,000. They happen a lot, but hey, you know, you handle them efficiently and you move on and you staff for it and you have tools for it. And then you've got your severity lines, big, expensive, complex claims. Again, you staff very differently. You might have engineers or attorneys as your claims handlers. Where we're at right now, it's sort of like everything is a severity line. Yeah. The frequency ones are just a lot of severity frequently. Yeah. But they're really expensive. And Brent, when you said $50 for McDonald's, um, like that's a severity problem. Yeah. Right? Like I doubt, I doubt you got two twenties back with your chain. Right. Right? So, I mean, I think about, you know, my family, I was one of four. So there were six of us growing up and we would stop at Burger King and McDonald's on the long road trips. And like, I don't even know that they had to, you know, like, really could have gotten by with a 10 and maybe a couple other bills, but a 20 was more than enough. Yeah. Um, so you have that everywhere. And so that is an issue for the industry. Um, some of it is on the physical side, property losses, and it's just stuff costs more. It takes longer to fix. The longer it takes to fix, the more hotel nights you're putting people up for, rental car days, the more likely they are to go seek an attorney for a public adjuster to walk by and drop their card. All those things that amplify the cost. But then we also have the whole litigiousness. There's a, a tenor in this country of hatred and anger. Um, you know, I mentioned it before. I was talking to someone the other day about the plaintiff's bar. And he said, you know, back in the day, the plaintiff's bar was really, really good at driving um, sympathy and sorrow. You felt so bad for the person. You wanted them to be made whole and then some. Mm -hmm. Now that's not their approach at all. No. It's about teaching the insurer a lesson. It's about teaching the business that is the insured a lesson. It's about punishing someone. And so that's why you get a single person in a lawsuit who, you know, the economic value is in the hundreds of thousands. And this isn't someone who's paralyzed for life. Like we would say, it's like a wrongful termination lawsuit or something. And then the judgment is hundreds of millions in punitive damages on top of that, because it's like, we're going to show them. Right. And what you have is plaintiff's bar that is probably taking half of that or 40% of that. So it's not like that person's making out ahead. Right. And then the next settlement is judged by that one. So it's an ex escalation as an industry. We just fight that with like more expensive lawyers and that can help. But I promise you the plaintiff's bar is doing an excellent job on that front too. And some of the big firms advertise, uh, have more advertising budget than the largest carriers, which mm -hmm. is really scary. Um, if it was helping people who were hurt, I'd say, well, then you know what? We deserve it, but it's not. That's no. not what it's about. It's making the whole system more expensive and a small population of very talented, um, and I'm not going to use any negative terms about them, people who are you know, taking advantage of the way the system is set up. 
And um, that's that's not a good thing. And we as an industry have to come together to figure out how do we deal with all of these problems because eventually it's not sustainable. And I've already heard some carriers talking about that is what pockets are we no longer able to compete in because the prices aren't sufficient. We can never get them there because no one would buy. Can't get the reinsurance. I mean, these are fundamental like core economics issues. Um, that's a problem. And we need to figure out other solutions. And actually, I think there are... Um, kind of decision model and other kinds of tools that can help us here other than just throwing more money on the fire to try to fight it. Like it's an arms race and those don't end well. Um, so that's uh, unfortunately, it's not a happy story, but that's what I see going on right now is the escalation in costs leading to the potential uninsurability of major swaths of the market. Uh, we need to come at it with a different approach. And the cool thing is I have seen solutions when fed the right data and deployed in the right way that I think can be really helpful but that's a huge shift in mentality for the industry. So five years, I think, is a long enough time for us to feel the pain, come together and start to look at other ways of solving for it. So that's my hope is like, it ain't good right now. Yeah. I know a lot of folks are feeling that. Five years from now, we could be in a different place. Um, and, and frankly, that's part of why I like the role that I, I get to play at PLRB is trying to bring the industry together to talk about these things and figure it out. Um, we, we have to be here because if we're not here, Literally, like there is nothing that happens in the economy without insurance behind it. Imagine if we weren't there. Um, it, it really does start to fall apart. Like the world honestly does start to cease to function. Yeah. Um, that's not viable. So we need to figure out how we deal with this. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because it's, it's, you know, people often don't look at the fact that a business is a business. At the end of the day, those costs, you know, those you know, fees that they pay and, and, you know, all those litigations and such are going to trickle down to a higher cost for the rest of us. Right. Yeah. So while those few are making out like bandits, so to speak, the rest of us are paying for that. And at some yeah. point there's going to be a shift. There's going to be a teeter where it, the economics don't make sense simply because of these types of scenarios. And it's not just our industry. It's, you know, I was talking to a, a friend of mine who's an executive at, I'm, I'm not going to list the tire company, but he's an executive at a tire company. And we were talking about these types of litigation scenarios, because obviously I'm in insurance, so we can talk about that a lot, because there's a lot of litigation in insurance. Yeah. And, you know, he was sharing that there was, a, there was a sad scenario where a person was in a van and, you know, the tire blew and it caused the van to flip and, and this person became partially paralyzed. And of course, you know, an attorney got involved, you know, one of those, you know, chasing car wrecks types attorneys yeah. and not that they're bad people or anything. Obviously I, people need, you know, uh, some, some people need some of that, some of that help during that process. But what was interesting to me is the case itself, you know, one, it was a person that was in the country illegally. So therefore they shouldn't have even been here. Yeah. And two, you know, they ended up getting, hundred and fifty million dollars. I mean they're they're gonna have their grandchildren's grandchildren's grandchildren will not have to worry about money. And they weren't even technically legally here. So, you know, at what point does the law you know enter it, it's you're basically saying it's so the the immigration laws mean nothing because if something happens to you, you can sue an insurance company, you're still gonna win or you can sue a a tire company and you're still going to win. So 
it's just, my gosh, at some point that teetering effect has to occur where something, something's got to be regulated even on the litigation side. Yeah. Well, if you're robbing a house and you get hurt by the homeowner and there are cases of that, you can sue them. Yeah. Um, it's mind boggling. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that stuff seems absurd to me. It's almost yeah. like one law contradicts the other. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we have to sort that out because people are making money at every stop in that trip. Yeah. Um, and that's, that makes the whole thing unsustainable. And yeah, it, it does come back. Someone has to pay for that. Ultimately it's like fraud. It, yeah. You know, it's, you're not, you're not just getting free money. It's coming out of a pot that then is rising, the, raising the cost for everybody. Yep. And we all end up paying for that. And then, you know, I just saw an article in, in a Floridian paper about, you know, following this woman who's, homeowners insurance went from 4,600 to 26,000 something. And you know, it's, and there's no explanation why. And it's like, yeah, there is. Yeah. <laughs> like there's a massive explanation why it's way too complicated for you to publish. It's not sensational enough for you to want to publish. Right. Like that's, that's economics. That's yeah. what happens. And we need to figure out what to do about that. But it's not just like these terrible people in insurance companies are just walking around being like, oh, we can get five times as much from them. Right. Let's do it. No. And I I think that's the same conversation that we've heard a lot of, like in in regards to inflation is where did this inflation come from? What caused this? And we're like, well, we could actually all sit around and talk about what caused inflation, but that's not really a conversation you guys want to have. It's just the economics of it, of how it all works. And, um, you know, I. I've sat down with the the best business minds from Harvard and we've we've talked about these very topics and these subjects and it's like, well, yeah, but this is this is what happens. Like this yeah. is just that chain of results that happen. Um, but I do I want to shift because we're we're nearing time here and I want to ask, you know, what are some things that you feel is important for our listeners to hear, especially our carriers, like having the opportunity to talk to those carriers in that position, what would you tell them? So I think that, um, the, the biggest holdback for us to making progress to solving these things is, and this is, um, this is a gift and a curse, but it's within us. It's a choice. Um, they're tough choices, but the, we hold the keys to making them. And it's really about this notion of we've never done it this way, or we've always done it this way. Mm-hmm. And why that seems better than looking to change. And, and that includes the process of change. You know, I've, I've been in, in pitches with different startups who get the buy-in and, you know, everyone's like, yeah, we're going to move ahead. And then they pull us aside if, afterward. And it's like, just so you know, it's going to be 18 months before the pilot launches because that's how we work. Yeah. <laughs> But that that's how we work isn't actually a process. That's how we work isn't a business requirement. That's a choice. Yeah. And you could choose to do it d- differently. And I'm working on a new book that actually is about this, like trying to speed through a number of these things. Yeah. And it's it's because I, I'm sort of, I don't want to sound negative, but like, I'm sick of it. Yeah. We, uh, you know, that's why I call my book self-help is like, we can do this. Like we can yeah. climb that mountain, <laughs> but we have to be willing to. And um, And the cool thing is like, it is optional. Um, so I'm I'm excited about that. I hear enough people who are sort of fed up with the speed of things. And you can say, well, why aren't they doing anything? Well, it's the first step. Like they're recognizing it and they wish for better. And I do think we are in a spot where people are starting to look for the ways to get to moving faster, trying things out, adopting it. And, and that's what I'm hoping this book brings some more inspiration around that. Um, but that's 
that's what I'm excited for. And what I would push people to do is instead of bemoaning, be about change. Yeah. You know, so well, yeah. what can I peel off in my little corner that could push this forward or could get us to try it or to just see if it might work or not? And there's a lot of little things you can do that can start to spark that. And it is a momentum game. You know, the more you change, the more you change. So I just encourage everyone in the industry, like eat that up. And this is a period where we've got a lot of challenges. So great time to actually embrace it, just like we saw in COVID. You know, all those things that we did, we were saying were impossible or would take forever. And somehow we all were remote working in a day and yeah. implemented Zoom and everything else that we did. Don't forget that you can do that. Yeah. You know, you've done it before. Let's keep that energy and that engagement um, because we have to. Yeah, Absolutely. Grant, what would you tell our carriers after this conversation? I think that's great. And I, I'll just piggyback on that on that point. You know, I have I have this this uh you know, poster or picture on my wall, and it's basically a, of a mountain, and then there's a person at the top of the mountain, and and it literally says the person at the top of the mountain didn't fall there. I mean, it's literally you got to take that first step, and then the next step, and then the next step, right? I mean, and to me, it's about you know carriers just take take that first step, right? And um, over the past, I would say at least year, and I would argue maybe even two years, we've actually witnessed that. Um, you know, Benikiba, we. In, in all reality, we didn't even expect to start having conversations with tier one sized carriers until this year. And the fact that we're working with 10 plus of them, you know, tier one sized carriers and, and 20 overall in such a short period of time is unheard of. You know, that I would argue 10 years ago, 15 years ago in our industry, Brian, there's no way a Benikiba would have that many clients that yeah. fast. Yeah. No way. It, it would take you two, three years just to get, you know, kind of in the door. And then it's another year and a half to make yes. the sale. I mean, you'd be doing your demo now. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so and, we still, and we still have that. Yeah. There are plenty of pockets of that. And that's the point, right? It, but it, but there's also pockets of not that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We have a, a carrier that we've talked to and, their response was pretty much like, we've built everything internally because we don't want other carriers having what we have. We'll offer the best experience. And I, you know, I'm going to be honest, Brian, I may send them your book. Like, yeah, just be like, hint, hint, hint. Like, this, do this differently. Be open for that change. Yeah. Stop being so internally focused and, and work together and partner with people. Yeah. Um, Ash, you know, it, it's, it's like when you give someone a shortcut to take. They've taken the same route to work every day or school or wherever. The first time you take the shortcut, you can time it. It'll be five minutes faster. And they'll say, I don't know. It, it felt it felt longer to me. It's just yes. it's different. It's uncomfortable. And even if what they were doing wasn't good, you know, we see carers who their loss ratios are not where they should be. Here's a change that could fix that. And it's like, well, but there's a tail. We don't, we won't know for years if we made the right call. It's like, well, I do know right now that you're making the right, the wrong call. Right. So why is the potential of getting better? the wrong call when staying with what you have, because it's what you know, you already know that that's failing. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's what we've always done. Yep. It's like, well, it could be getting worse and you still won't know that for years, but you already know it's not good enough. So let, let's stop using like what well, we're comfortable with. It was effectively what we're saying. Let's stop using that as a business case. Cause it isn't. Yep. I agree. 
Well, thank you so much for your time today, Brian. And to our listeners, just head over to benakivaconnects.com. You can see all of our podcasts and our webinars that follow. We will have a webinar this Thursday where we dive into this a little bit more. So look on LinkedIn or benakivaconnects.com for the link for that. And Brian, thank you so much for your time today, for sharing with us. Um, It's been a true pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks for joining us this week on the Benakiva Connects podcast. Make sure to visit our website, www.benakivaconnects.com slash podcast, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. If you liked this show, you might want to check out a demo of our software. Simply go to www.benakiva.com and click request a demo. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode where we will continue setting the digital foundation for end-to-end claims and servicing transformation.